Hi, and welcome to Shelf Life. Today, I have the pleasure, the honor, and the privilege of speaking with a lady who is behind so much reggae music, so much in the reggae industry. And in such a male-dominated industry, she rises above and she has stood tall above them all. Miss Pat from VP Records. I'm gonna be talking to her about her life and her book, Miss Pat, My Reggae Music Journey. This book is more than just about her. It's about reggae music and boy, I love my reggae music. And so I've been looking forward to this chat. So join me. Miss Pat, Miss Pat, I have been so looking forward to this cause no music in the world like reggae music, okay? So to be able to sit and talk with a lady who is behind so much of our reggae music in such a male-dominated industry is a pleasure and an honor for me. Welcome to Shelf Life. Thank you very much for that introduction. And I'm very happy and pleased to be here to share my 60 years journey with you and the audience. It's been 60 brilliant years. Um, I, I couldn't put down the book because not only is it a book about you, but it is a book about our music. And that is what, and, and not from the scholarly standpoint, you know, you, we, we've read the books where they catalog everything as a scholar and an academic and the people who studied musicology and all that kind of stuff. This is from you on the ground, step-by-step, step, um, plodding and making your way. But before we get to that, I wanna start with your beginnings because music was not where you started. And um, people sometimes only see the outcome, they don't know where you started. You started in Greenwich Farm. You're from Kingston. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing and you know, how you ended up with Vincent, because that was interesting. <laughs> well, you know, my dad is a full East Indian. His father migrated from India reached Jamaica. My mother is full Chinese. Her family also from China. So I had two, two different mixed marriage, my Indian side and my Chinese side. Mm -hmm. I, I know I was a little different, but I couldn't understand why. I was born in um, Kingston 13, I think Greenwich Farm, went to government school until I was about 13. Didn't do so well in school, but I go along. But I remember when I was about 12, we were very, very poor. As I describe in my book, the one bedroom we left, we lived in had everything in the room. Wow. From the bicycle that we put in the night after the doors almost closed, to one bed, one bureau, one everything in that one bedroom. I remember going to school bare feet. Wow. We didn't even have puss. You know, puss is what we call butter. The butter, the butter, butter what do you call it now? Yeah, the bother shoes was puss. We call it puss. So we had to whiten it on weekend time, wash it and take the white and whiten it. Mm -hmm. So I grew up about 12. When I was about 12, my dad got a job at the haberdashery. And um, he, he could have got the rubber bands in big boxes, you know, mm -hmm. the rubber bands that we take for granted now. Right. And marbles. Marbles came in different size. Big, small, medium, yeah. tiny. Uh, and, and those were the toys of the day. Uh, yeah. 70, 80 years ago, we didn't have much toys. I, 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 was so <laughs> I was so surprised when I came here and see how much toys they have, specialized toy store uh, and sweet store and mm -hmm. donut store. 
that that really marveled me because back home we didn't have those stores. No, we didn't have we anything have like that. But you know, so before, we <laughs> before you even go on, I want to make this point because it growing up in Jamaica, my my mom is half Chinese, and growing up in Jamaica, you never thought of Chinese people as being poor. That was never something that we, you know, you grew up thinking. So that is not something that we're used to hearing. And so I, I was very intrigued that you were honest in your book about your upbringing and about coming from poverty. But continue, you were talking about your dad and the haberdashery and the rubber band. Well, he bought the big box of rubber band and marbles. And what I did is to sell them during school and lunchtime so that I would get my lunch money. And I think that's from where my sense of development of doing, sell something that somebody likes and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I wanted to, my dad wanted me to work in a bank because at that time, 60 years ago, eight years ago, bank job was very high esteem, you know, mm -hmm. way up there, they called a dress or the talk. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to be, a, I didn't want to work in the bank. So I wanted to be a nurse. So I took the course and in line, online course. And I passed and I went to university for two years. And then a little before that, I met my husband, got pregnant, threw up the, mute, threw up the, uh, the nursing, start to work with him in the jukebox, changing jukebox records all through the island. Okay, and so that's why I get the love. The love of music, that's how I developed the love of music to see how happy the people were when he brought in those new records to change the jukebox. If anybody don't know about jukebox, it's a little machine that's in the bar and the restaurants and the clubs that you drop a quarter. It wasn't a quarter at that time, or shillings no. and pence. Mm -hmm. Or shillings and pence, you drop a shilling and you get five, you can pick five records that you like. And that's how people are very enjoying the arm going yeah. to pick up the record and it put it on its place. It's a fascinating machine. I know. I, I'll just stay and watch it and see and see how happy, how happy the people were when Vincent came in with the box and new records. That time we didn't have Jamaican record. We only have American record. Persis led Dream Reeves, Sam Cook, you name it. Mm -hmm. Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin. Those are the ones I grew up with. Yes. Then in 1962, when we had Independence Jamaica, I think that really spurred us to make our own music. Mm -hmm. Because in those days, our music didn't play on the radio, you know. They thought no. it wasn't good music. No. We, did, that, we didn't get to play on the radio. And you know what? It, that actually continued for quite a while because I'm a 60s baby. I'm an independence baby. So I'm familiar with the pound shilling and pence and the jukebox and all that kind of stuff because I used to be fascinated by the jukebox. I used to just stand up there and watch the thing, just pick up and take the, the record and then yeah. put it on. And yeah, it was a, it's a very nice machine because, yeah. and it at that time was one of the most um, like entertaining for mm -hmm. people. Yes. Because if you don't have yeah. money to go to the dance, then that's the next thing. You go in the square or you go in the bar or you go in the club and you just punch a little. Same song, you get a record, you play. Yeah. Play so that's where my love with music. So Vincent used to actually distribute the, the music in the jukeboxes. And then right. he, you kind of went into business because you had these leftover songs when right. you take all the old ones and you went into business and set up this little shop, Randy's. 
Yes. And no, well, first of all, it was first of all, my husband was still working with the jukebox company. Okay. His friend, his friend had a weightlifting, like they sell weightlifting um chemicals to billy up. I don't know what okay. you call those things to billy up. Yeah. So we rented, we part, we rented a little space, a narrow little aisle. And that's where we started to sell a jukebox record. Okay. And not realizing so much people love the old records because they couldn't get them in the store to buy. Right. And we sell like five for 10 cents or 10 for 20 cents. Very cheaper, they could afford it. And it was so full, in, and especially on weekend time. Three people come in, we have to wait till three people come out, three people come in. <laughs> we, did so, we did so well till we move up at 17 North Parade. Because his father had a friend at a restaurant, a big restaurant at 17 North Parade. But the restaurant was so big, it didn't do well. So we mm -hmm. rented another 10 by 10 space. Part okay. it off with, with bag wire. Not bag wire, no, the partition wire. Mm -hmm. If you look in my book, you will see the store. Yes, I saw the store. And, and then I, st and I started to sell one one record, LPs, Persis Legendaries. I got a West Indian record, which is my late, my, my former. Um, Prime Minister owned Eddie. that record, yeah. Eddie Seago. And even 20, maybe about 20 years ago, he came to New York when he releases his uh, 100 book. Mm -hmm. We did, a, we did a, a project for him with 100 um, songs. Yes. So when he came to tour and to sign his, his, his CD, so I said, Mr. Seago, you remember me? I said, of course, how could I forget you? You're the only woman come down, they come by one one records. And a female at that, and a female at that. You know, as you talk about by one one records, and this is I'm going to kind of jump around some sometimes because there is a quote in your book that stuck with me from Judy Mowat, where she says, You were the first one to buy 500 copies of Black Woman. Black Woman is one of my favorite albums of all time, like all time, um, because I used to sing back then, and every song on that album I would sing, but that album was dear to me. But from 17 North Street, and you opened, that's where you opened Randy's, right? Yes, and we gave a name Randy's because my husband liked that name. He used to li listen to a radio in Tennessee, and the guy was Randy, something or another, but he loved that name, so we just called the store Randy's Record. And of course- And it's there we stay for 20 years down there. Until we buy out the, we buy out the, we buy out the restaurant, we buy next door, we build a studio, and that's how the journey starts. Right. Reggae music. I remember Chris Blackwell, you know, because in 1950, 1960, Bob Marley never get famous, you know? No. He was just another singer like everybody else. And I remember Chris Blackwell coming to sell me some of my 45 records, you know. And he remembered that too. Wow. Uh, you know, but, those were but, the days. But we through were the just record, so innocent. Yeah, mm -hmm. through the record shop and the studio, you met and interacted with so many of our greats. I know Vincent, it, when, when you first hear Randy's records, you figure Vincent's name must have been Randy, but his name was Vincent. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> But he loved that met, name. <laughs> you met and interacted with so many of our greats, and he was in the studio most of the time, and you were in the record shop. Right. But this was side yes, by side. He was, yeah, he was a very social level people, because even when a musician came down there, don't care how they look and they have no shoes on or anything, he said, "Okay, go, go play." 
So it's $20 hour. Sometimes I don't have the $20, you take $10. Okay, when you come back again, you pay, or when you make a hit, you pay. So that's how we operated it, you know. We were selling music, but it, it wasn't different from a Chinese shop because the same community that we build around us, mm -hmm. the same like all the Chinese people going to worst neighborhood and build yes. a good shop and service the community. Yes. So my student, my store become the community for music. Everybody in music congregate there. If you want a musician, a backup singer, but everything was right there. So when the guys them doing their session and they want a backup singer, they want something with a little shocker, just call downstairs, somebody go up and get a little job. It was, a, it was an agency for music. People buying, people selling, people talking, people talking about music, musicians, oh, artists, man. producer, trying to get a job upstairs. What, what an amazing environment and what was even more amazing is that you as a woman, you as a Chinese woman <laughs> in the 60s was making inroads in an area that most people would think you had no business in, you know? And, no I, and I did not know that my line of work, it was a man's job. I didn't know that because I, I just saw myself working just like the people on the sidewalk selling fruits. I'm just selling record, that's all. Uh, we are women just know that we have to do what we have to do. Look after the kids, the house. And if you get a job, you have to work. Yeah. So it's until I come up here, I realized that I was doing a man's job. Wow. Because when I come up and I was selling telemarketing, they might tell me, say, oh, can you put on a man to me? I said, why, why you want a man on the phone? I don't think I, you know what I want. But little did they know I spent 20 years on the counter. So I know every artist, every producer, every label, every rhythm, every done over rhythm. I, I knew it. I knew it all. Everything was in my head. <laughs> so, so the hurdles that you faced as a woman in this industry, you really only faced when you came to the States. Yes. In Jamaica, you were just accepted. Uh, yes, because we, we grew up with black people all around us. My mother used to send us go to clap on. Every Friday and Saturday, we go beside, you know, they, they all have clap and meetings mm -hmm. on the street. Mm -hmm. She said, we don't go on because we never have any, any entertainment. So we go to clap on. All so right. I grew up with, I'm, I'm Chinese Indian, but I'm also black because I grew up yes. with all blacks around me because we didn't know color. We just know that we're a community. Oh, Jamaican. Yeah, we're Jamaican first. We're Jamaican first. Jamaica, right. I, I, I'm glad you put it that way because, yes, we do have a little class issue in Jamaica. We can't ignore it and pretend it's not there. But at the end of the day, we are Jamaican first. All of that breakdown when it comes to who is Jamaican and who is not Jamaican, we don't really business about any of that. All of that falls apart. At the so end true. of the day, we are Jamaican first. And I'm glad you put it that way. So when you came here to the States now, when you came to the States, and there is so much packed into this book because this book is not just about you, it's an actual history of our music. It's a history of our reggae music from ska, from mental to ska, to rocksteady, to reggae, to dance hall. And as I said and earlier on, and you went, through, and that's what I love about it, is that I have read the books that the scholars have written. But this is, this is you experiencing every single step of the way. So when you came here to the States, what, what made you come, first of all? What made you and Vincent decide to pack up and come? Well, you know, from 1975, 
we, we felt that tension okay. because there's so much riot and thing going on. Okay, and, so the political and, and issues. Yeah, political okay. unrest. Mm -hmm. Sometime in the days, we have to close the shop three, four times. We, we bring in our friends on the sidewalk that mm -hmm. sell. Until when the riot finish and I'm gone, then we open back. Mm -hmm. And all three, four times, and then the kids were coming home from school, we fear their, their lives too. So we say, oh God, we can't live this way. We were fearful of, of our life because, you know, you have to have life even mm -hmm. before you have hope. Yeah. Life comes first. Mm -hmm. So when we have life, we'll have hope. So Vincent said, you know, we better move because his brother lived here 10 years before we came. Okay. So we were said, we have to go to Florida. And afterward, we said, why did it take so long to get the paperwork? We just come to his brother and help us to get the paper through. And so Vincent came up like 1975. Uh, and then two years after, I, three, three years after I came up. So I was left to run the studio and the shop and pack the trailer with food and music. Because you couldn't carry more than $50 out, you know. I remember those you know days. I remember those days. And you remember all gun court and all them things? Yes, I oh, remember gun court. Terrible time. Yeah, I remember gun court. Terrible time. So when the trailer come up, the man, the customer office said, so Miss Chin, why you carry so much food? Why are you taking so much food? We don't have a famine here, you know. I said, sir, well, we don't have the money to buy the food, so we have to carry the food. <laughs> <laughs> I carry oil, salt, fish, flour, rice, you name it, to serve me for two years. Saturday not to have no money to buy the food. <laughs> you have to have food to live, right? <laughs> I have oil set a little of them sleep of our children with not knowing that we're good oil. Because when you come up here, you want American products. Yeah. So you're gonna buy corn oil and all them things. Cause you're so naive. <laughs> you realize coconut oil was the best oil. No, people all about to use it on jelly. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But when you moved here, your brother-in-law Keith already had a, a store. Yes, a, he had a, a store in Brooklyn named Chin Randis. Okay. So when we when we started the little store, we didn't have any name for it because we couldn't get it Randis because he had that name already. Right. So when me and Vincent, that's how we have to register the store now. We run it for about a couple months well before we have a name. Well, we got to go register and the man asked me, so what's the name of the business? Stand up, Christ, Vincent, look at me. What's the name of the business? All we could think of is my name, Vincent and Pat. So that's how we said V and P. So that's where so the VP name, came from. Yeah, so the name came from VP because we never have no name for the, for the shop. You know, when you're up here, you don't know where you, you don't, you, you, your mind, it, it, it's in a different space. Mm -hmm. You don't know if you live in Jamaica or you live here. Mm -hmm. Things you're looking for, I wonder if I live here or carry it here. Mm -hmm. Them living them, them sister basement for two years. And let me tell you, it was so hard. We go back 20 years backward. Because when we came here, you know, we were well off in Jamaica because right. the shop was going to go to the studio. But we're going back 20 years backward. 20 it, years back. You know, <laughs> I think it happens to all of us when we when we migrate. Because they say it takes about 10 years for you to really get your footing. And at first, when I moved, um, and I've been back to Jamaica to live, and I've been back here, so I kind of live in both places, although COVID have a lockdown. Um, but it, it, they are right. It takes about 10 years for you to really find your footing yeah. and to make yes. a home out of it. Because well, I should say that's about the time too, because 
the first 10 years, we're just trying to build customer, trying to know the culture, trying to really work hard. And, you know, I remember going to Brooklyn all three, four times because I was up in 45 records. And as the van come back, them call again for a couple more. There were a couple of reggae stores here before us, you know, but mm -hmm. what they usually do is send to Jamaica to buy their music. Okay. So when I came up here, now I do wholesale so they could buy all the different labels they wanted. So we used to have a delivery van. So we carry the record, go deliver. When I'm ordered on the phone, we carry go deliver. Brooklyn and Bronx and the near state. Mm -hmm. And pure telemarketing. We didn't know the customer. We didn't and, know and, that much. And we didn't call so it. We didn't, we didn't even know it was telemarketing at the time. We didn't know. We didn't know it was telemarketing. When my grandfather used to credit, <laughs> credit at, at, the, at the shop, all the same days put one something on a paper when the people credit. I don't know how they know. They couldn't talk English. The blacks couldn't talk Chinese. How the hell they know their, their face? Mm -hmm. So face recognition was long over 100 years ago. <laughs> so my grandfather writes something, stick it down on the nail. And when they come in, look for it and pay, and they pay, and they credit again. So I was always marvel how they know their names because they couldn't talk. None of them could talk to each other. Facial wreck, man. Facial wreck. Yeah. Nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing We've been new. doing it in our head a long time. A long time. Before, before adding machine, come on. Everybody used to have things in their head. Every phone number you know in your head. And yes, everything you knew in your head. So we're, we're going to pick up from where you changed over to VP now. And VP Records was now, this is to show how far ahead of your time you were. Because now you were distributing all of the Jamaican music. To anybody yes. who wanted to buy it, which was right, you know, just unusual and not being done. And VP has stayed ahead of the curve every single step of the way. You bought your building on Jamaica Avenue, you know, which was a milestone in itself. And everybody who has ever been to New York and gone to Jamaica Avenue know the VP Records building. Yes, and you know, we start back the same way we start in Jamaica. 10 by 10 space with a little basement, selling $275 a week wow. to where we are. And then we, buy, we went down to the block and buy out that little building from the man. And God has been so good to us along the way because there's a Jewish lady that used to work with that man where we bought the building from. Mm -hmm. She stayed and worked with us over 10 years. Wow. And she taught wow. us, she was like a mother to us. Because she was older than us. We were like 45 and she was near our 60s. She's like a mother to us. She teaches us the rope. She even learned to wrap with the, with the customer. And you know, our client is mostly uh -huh. black people. So she learned to wrap with them if them short. She said, okay, I'm going to lend you this. When you come back, you pay me. Well, I tell you, Mrs. Bernstein, I'll never forget her. There is a truth about um, giving out to the universe that which you would like to get back. There is a truth about treating people well and that being a blessing on you. And everything that we've ever heard, I've ever heard about Miss Pat has been just how wonderful she has been. And just reading your book, I realized how much you have done for reggae music and for musicians and for artists and people who are just starting. And that is all part of the blessings. But your journey was not without its own fair share of heartache because at, when you, at one point you decided to open your headquarters down here in Miramar in South Florida and you went through a journey with your husband not being well and uh, you and your kids having to 
carry on the business. Yes, we all went through strong and dark times and some of the dark times that I had, thank God I had the music and I had good family and friends who really helped us. And the business helped us because when you go to work for that time that you're there, you know, you have to do a service. So you have to know your music, you have to sell the customer, you have to pay your bills. Well, it was very hard. You know, my husband got depressed and it, it just like a chapter in my life that was very dark yeah but it's but good it's good that you were able to open up and talk about it because a lot of times we don't talk about those areas and those are the things that help to motivate others when they realize that as even with all that you had achieved and you and vincent had achieved you still had to deal with the everyday depressions and problems that the rest of us have to deal with you know it's just yes. life. It's just life as it is. And you have to carry on, which you and the kids did. And uh, um, we're going to jump to the dance hall era because okay. dance hall <laughs> came into Bean. And in 1997, you signed Beanie Man. Yes. And Beanie Man just kicked down and <laughs> fell down the place with who am I? The girl, them sugar. And that was, I think, a milestone for VP, wasn't it? It, it kind of propelled yes. a step further. You, you know, when I came here, I thought because they knew Bob Marley, I took over a lot of Roots music. But I didn't associate it too much till when the dance hall come on. I guess it, the dance hall is similar to the hip hop. So yes. they, they associated more. But when the dance hall take over, man, you couldn't stop it. All the dance all artists just was selling right up, right up, even up to now. Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess to me, the dance hall is a, a self-expression. I've never been to the dance until when I come up here, like Christmas time, my reverend have a little charity dance and I see how much the people love dancing. Oh my God. They dance one whole hour reggae. I mean, then, then the soca, reggae, lovers rock, and then the dance hall. When the dance hall starts, mm -hmm. I all tell you, them, <laughs> all all everybody, everybody, everybody start dancing the way they want to dance it. <laughs> some dancing very expressive, some dancing hugging up. It just you know what, though, my eyes. To, we, to <laughs> we are an expressive people, though. Yes. And especially those of us with African background yes. and African heritage. We are an expressive people. And I love dancehall music. I can't take the slack lyrics. Let me just put that out there. Yes. I can't deal with it. It's 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 for a different um there's a there's an audience for it and I'm not big on censorship. There's an audience for it. It's not my audience but a dance hall rhythm. <laughs> now I have been known to stand up on my feet from sunfest start and sunsplash start till it's finished next morning and dance the whole night because I can dance all night already. I mean, I can be awake all, I can play reggae all day, all night and not miss anything else. Even though I do love pretty much every music, you know, as a, um, as somebody who is a radio personality, I play a lot of different music, but reggae is my music and dance hall, that dance hall rhythm is infectious. Yes. <laughs> so infectious. And it's, again, you, you look at, you know, this Chinese lady, <laughs> you listen to the dancehall music coming out of her label and you think, wow, at the end of the day, like you said, we're all Jamaican. We're Jamaican first. And it's about yes. the music. It's about the music. And let me tell you, music 
is one of the things that God has given us. Yes, when we're sad, we sing. When we're happy, we sing. When we're working, we sing. When we're washing clothes by the riverside, we sing. When we go to church, we sing. When we're wedding, we sing. Funeral, we sing. We sing for everything. So we are gifted with music. Yeah, one good thing about music. When it hits, it you, when it hits no you, as Bob Marley said, there's no pain. It's joy and happiness. <laughs> because you'll you never go in the dance hall to a dance and you feel a little down or you have a gross with someone when you come out that dance so yeah, man, perspective in your head it's our yeah, man, therapy it's our therapy <laughs> you're good you're good so before i before i conclude this wonderful because i could chat to you all day right but i want people to buy the book so i'm not giving them all the information that's in the book because this book is a must buy and this book is a must buy the same way that the vp calendar is a must have you know? <laughs> um, but yes, every year we started the calendar, maybe six years now. But people seem to like the calendar, you know. Love it. So we just try, really, actually, we try to yeah, I have pictures on my wall that are from your calendar with the with the artists. Yeah. Yes. In my reggae corner. Um, but it's a must buy book. But how did you handle the tradition? The not tradition, sorry, the transition from record to CD and now everything digital. You know, how, how it's- Well, well you see, I am blessed to have my sons working with me because the hardest time I think, we know all the sequence from the 45 to the 78, mm -hmm. to the LP, to the cassette, to the, but I think the hardest part is when we went digital because we didn't know about digital. It was always on tape. And right. They had to digitalize every song. It must have taken two, three years. The whole catalog. The whole catalog. So first of all, when he came to work with me, Randy, that's my second son, because they had worked in California in aeronautics. They never sort of liked the music so much. So when he come to, to, to work with me 25 years ago, he said, Mom, he have to do over the whole catalog because we spell the name wrong. We put the S when we never put the S. We never, we never have no structure. <laughs> We, we just put it out because we have to put it out. We never know business. I mean, we never go to school to learn business. Right. We only do it day by day and try to do the best you can. We do everything, try to do better each day. Mm -hmm. And as the music change, we try to change and be ahead of the curve. Because we know when the music is going to change from ska to dancehall to reggae to do and German. We just have to know because we, we're Jamaican. And we you, have to know our culture. And you have stayed ahead of the curve. You have stayed ahead of the curve. And VP is just known for producing the absolute most excellent products um, from your shows, uh, your YouTube shows, the everything about VP is excellent. Miss Pat, as I say, when you come into South Florida, I will be right there front and center for my signed book. Make sure you walk with calendar. Because homegirl okay. didn't get no calendar this year. Um, <laughs> make sure you walk with the calendar. And thank you so very much on okay. behalf of Jamaica, on behalf of our people. Thank you for 60 years of service to our reggae community, to our music, to our artists, to all of us producing and giving us music that makes us happy, that heals us, that takes us from tears to laughter. I want to just say thank you. 
Thank and you. I also want to thank you and all of the reggae fans, Judith, because if it's not for the fans, the producers, the artists, the DJs, everyone in the music industry, we couldn't have a name VP Records. So we like to thank you, Judith, and all the people that really can showcase us the way you have done it this morning. And all the reggae fans, all the people around the world who are listening, one love. Go forward for reggae music at all times. And buy my book. And by the way, I want to tell you that the proceeds from my book is going to the Vincent and Pat Foundation okay. to help musicians, to help youth, and to showcase and preserve reggae music. That is brilliant. See, people, that's why you have to buy the book, not just because it's a good book, but because it is continuing work. And this is work that will go on long after we have moved on to our next stop on this journey, okay? So- Yes, and as you said that the, the, the format is always changing, but our music will ever be there, regardless of what format it come in for the next 10, 15 years, reggae music and music on a whole will always be there. Music, music is heavenly. Thank you very much, yes. Ms. Pat, for this wonderful Thank chat. You. Thank you for taking time out to spend with me and I'll see you when it's safe for you to travel and you're in South Florida. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And the same to you. Thank you very much for oh, having good. me. Thank you for joining me today on Shelf Life. I'm sure you found that interesting. You gotta run out and get this book. Very, very good book, exciting story of reggae music. And I'll see you again next week, same place, same time for another Shelf Life and we'll see what else I have on my shelf. In the meantime, check out my website, jfallonreed.com check out my YouTube page, and just get to know a bit more about what I do. Blessings, walk good. Mm -hmm.